This is Fusion Health Radio, episode 115. Some health tips for fall. Welcome to Fusion Health Radio, your source for inspiration, information, and insight on what it really takes and what really matters on your journey to abundant health. Welcome back or welcome to Fusion Health Radio. I'm Dr. Michael Smith and this week I'm going to talk about the general health tips that I usually give people for fall, uh, mostly around making sure that you're aligned with the seasons in an overall lifestyle way but perhaps even in a subtle energetic way and making sure that you avoid things like the flu. In Chinese medicine, the season of fall is actually related to your lungs, uh, as well as your skin and the front line of your immune system. It's got a little bit to do with the experience of inner reflection and mindfulness, uh, especially with respect to uh, emotional intelligence uh, and being really aware of your relationships and kind of how they work and how they don't. In perhaps a more common sense way of looking at it, fall is a time of gathering resources, a time of getting organized and ready for winter. And not that long ago, and for some of us uh, in our actual lifetimes, this time of year, you know, we would have been busy filling our root cellars, drying meat, making fermented foods, uh, and things like that, because that's just how everybody lived up until very recently. So a way to embrace that idea nowadays is what we call batch cooking. And I'll make sure I link this podcast to an article that has actually about five or six other links to it uh, about this uh, whole subject about healthy tips for fall. And that way you can go through that and make sure you have access to any of the details that uh, I refer to but don't cover. But the idea of batch cooking can save everyone a lot of time, a lot of resources. It's good for the environment. Uh, It's good for your overall health. And when you actually look at things like freezing your food, the amount of damage and nutrient loss isn't nearly as severe as it would be trying to live off processed foods or uh, things that were canned for a long time. So just throwing that out there. So the first thing that I usually talk to people about uh, with respect to staying healthy in fall is just preventing the flu. And that's, I don't know, good common sense. But it's especially important if you're a person with an autoimmune condition. And that's a big part of what this podcast is about. Uh, people who are prone to uh, autoimmune conditions or obviously presently diagnosed and being treated for them, uh, sometimes if you get a flu, it can actually set off a uh, about a three-week to six-week flare-up uh, for some people. Uh, and if you're actually one of those people and you're sure about it because you know every year or two you get the flu and you get a flare-up, that's something you should really talk to your doctor about because it really helps you both uh, with an understanding of what part of your immune system is under the most threat or producing the most reaction, and that can probably help you make some really specific decisions about, uh, say, supplements and dietary changes and uh, what uh, what we would call immune modulators. So just another thing to be aware of with respect to the flu. The flu is actually a kind of viral infection and the immune system's response to the virus or where the fight happens is usually in your sinuses, your throat, uh, and your lungs. If your immune system is a bit weak, uh, that virus can go deeper into your chest or perhaps into your stomach. 
Um, it really depends on where your immune system is the weakest and uh, the strongest, you know, when you actually get the flu virus. Uh, some people who have a very reactive immune system prone to uh, uh, kind of like skin reactions and allergic reactions and things like that. Uh, people who have that going on with their immune system usually get a really serious, more sinus infection, uh, really, you know, thick yellow sputum, green, uh, strong fevers and things like that. And uh, that's a good thing to know. And if you ever do end up uh, dealing with anything in the long term with your health, that's something you should always talk to your doctor about as, as well as that, you know, you typically, if you get the flu, it's very fast, very hot, very strong, and then goes away. Just a little background on what the flu is and different ways you can get it and uh, perhaps uh, some advice on uh, how to make sure your response to the flu can help you in the long term. So the part of your immune system that actually fights the flu, uh, or at least at the beginning, are called antiviral peptides. And it turns out that a combination of taking vitamin C, vitamin D3, and uh, a good omega-3 fatty acid about three times a day has been shown to actually proliferate, uh, increase the production of what we call antiviral peptides. So it's a very uh, safe and common sense approach to helping your immune system be strong. And in a way, if you think about this from a natural perspective, uh, in fall, we would probably be having a lot more fruit, a lot more squash, uh, things like that with vitamin C, a lot more fats for those omega-3 fatty acids and your vitamin D. So yeah, maybe just a common sense thing uh, to up those things in your diet as well. Uh, and in fact, one thing we uh, in Chinese medicine recommend people do in flu season is to take the skin of some squash, dry it up, uh, break it up in little pieces so you can keep it in a jar uh, somewhere close by. Because anytime you're going to make a soup stock, uh, you should put some of the squash skins in there because they're really good uh, also at stimulating that front line of your immune system. You can also make a tea of those squash skins uh, for anyone who's actually going through a cold or a flu. Uh, and I usually boil the squash skins in some bone broth uh, if I or someone I know has a flu. So if you have a pen uh, or you want to pause this and grab a pen, I'm going to go through that in more detail. So uh, as a frontline clinician, uh, this is often what I take in fall, especially during flu season when... Uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot of kids, especially after Halloween, who've just eaten bucket loads of sugar. Uh, and that's usually the situations where I'm the most likely to pick up the flu. So this is the my, my flu remedy, uh, besides being pretty strict on my ancestral diet uh, and my autoimmune protocol. Uh, I would take three times a day, a thousand milligrams of vitamin C, a thousand international units of vitamin D3, uh, it's better if you can get it mixed with K2 already. Uh, and then a thousand milligrams of a good omega-3 fatty acid. Or uh, if you don't mind being pushy and you don't uh, feel like it's a concern to take a strong amount of these things. You could also take cod liver oil uh, in place of another omega-3 fat, fatty acid. And in that way, make sure you're getting an abundant dose of vitamin D three times a day, as well as all of the other fat-soluble vitamins and benefits of cod liver oil. And again, you know, those old, healthy-minded grandmothers, there's reasons why these traditions are still around. Uh, and, you know, why we hated them as kids, because we just had to do them. And, of course, they worked. 
another common thing that happens in flu season is, you know, we're out playing or doing whatever we're doing outside in the cold and we get a chill. And quite often, and I'm you know, sure you've had this experience, when you come back inside, you know, it takes, you know, maybe 30 seconds to a minute to feel like the chill in your skin is gone as your body warms up to the temperature, say, of your living room. Now, you may have had this experience uh, as well, but if not, keep this in your mind. If you come back into your house after being outside in the cold and it feels like you have a chill under your skin and, you know, you take off your coat and you're trying to warm up in your house, but you still feel as if there's something, you know, cold under your skin and you want to wrap yourself up, then from a Chinese medicine perspective, you've caught a cold. And that's actually just meant to be an expression, not a, a causal link between, um, you know, uh, catching something in the in the sense of an infection. It's just like a, a grandmother folk medicine kind of statement to say is, oh, you have some, you've caught some cold or some cold is still trapped in your body because that's subjectively what it would feel like. So one of the best things you can do to stimulate your circulation and to also help with a little bit of a sweat or to open the contraction of your skin, they would be uh, in an extreme, you would have goosebumps. But for most of us, again, we just have that feeling that we have some cold caught under our skin. So you want to make a pot of broth, if you have broth, and if not, uh, water. And then you're, you're going to want to add a couple of slices of ginger. And let them simmer, simmer for about uh, 10 minutes uh, in about two cups of broth. And then uh, take the white part of three green onions, chop it up, and put it into the, well, kind of be a bit of a soup, more like a tea. And uh, just let, let it uh, simmer for about five more minutes. And then take it off the stove, uh, add a little bit of honey, unpasteurized honey preferably, uh, stir it up and then drink uh, a cup as quickly as you comfortably can. And then wrap yourself up in a blanket and grab the other cup and then sip at that cup. And hopefully within the next 20 to 40 minutes, you'll have a good sweat and maybe even a bit of a shiver. And for most people who have, you know, in parentheses, caught a cold, uh, they don't actually get a, any kind of illness or symptoms or what some people would feel uh, as uh, suddenly catching a flu. So I hope that covers the basics of how to uh, avoid the flu. Um, next thing I just want to bring up is about sleep. Now, uh, obviously working primarily with patients with complex conditions, uh, sleep is really an important focus because it's the time your body can actually do some restoration and repair itself. And, you know, metaphors being consistent. And in Chinese medicine, when you actually look at the 24 hours of the day, uh, the season of fall would fall at the time when you're actually gathering, uh, you know, the resources you need to finish your day and hopefully getting into a bit of a restful place and, you know, dimmer lights and less noise so that you can get a really good deep night's sleep. And in that context of gathering resources for all of us, this time of year, the change in sunlight is tangible. People get a seasonal affective disorder, which I'm going to do a show on in a few weeks. It's really quite hard actually to stress to people uh, how fundamentally essential good sleep is and how most of us just take it for granted. And uh, you've probably heard me say this before on other podcasts, but if you're a person who feels like you get really good sleep, then maybe just for exploration and curiosity's sake, 
once a week, once a month. Make sure that you focus a bit more on sleep hygiene. Make sure there's no sounds, no lights, no alarms. Uh, you know, and you can really focus on finding out what would happen if you consistently, or at least once in a while, gave your body uh, complete permission to sleep as deeply and for as long as possible. Uh, and whatever the results are, they're going to, you know, help you uh, make decisions with respect to your sleep uh, throughout the rest of your life. But sleep is really important, and it is the way we gather and use our resources to repair our body. If you're a person who feels like you and your sleep have never really uh, worked out whatever imbalance is there, uh, I'll again link this to an article, which will have a link in it about sleep hygiene. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with all of the stages of that and you really want to go through them step by step, uh, we also did a podcast on that about a year ago uh, on sleep hygiene specifically. So if you want to, the Fusion Health Radio um page and just scrolled up. It's, I think, around number uh, 40-something. And before I leave sleep, uh, if you have caught a cold or the flu and, you know, you're still feeling physically tired getting through your day, give yourself at least a few nights in a row where your focus is on getting really deep sleep. And you might find yourself restless. You might find yourself dreaming more. You might even find yourself maybe once having a little bit of a night sweat. But... If you really ever feel wiped out by the flu, it's a, it's a very important idea uh, to give yourself permission to let your body repair itself because that's when your immune system is still trying to replace everything that was burnt off during fighting the flu. If you're a clinician, that's also good, uh, good to remember if it's not something you really remind your patients about. Uh, if they have something chronic going on and they get a really bad flu and they're really wiped out by it, uh, give the immune system some time to reset itself or the situation can get really precarious uh, going into winter, less sunlight, less vitamin D, uh, often a lot less connection and people are more prone to really uh, going into some big crashes. So uh, good to be aware of for all of us because we're all going to get old and a bit frail someday, hopefully a long time from now. Uh, and that's the kind of thing you want to watch for uh, if your body gets weaker or as you get older. Another great uh, hack or hint for staying healthy and fit in the fall is to wake up like you mean it. Uh, again, in Chinese medicine, we often have little bits of guidance for each of the season. And in fall, they would say, go to sleep early, but wake up early, uh, obviously, unless you're really tired. And the best thing you can do that I've learned uh, in my life working, you know, with my own uh, exploration and uh, with the people that I work with clinically is some kind of morning ritual. There's a, a link to a video on YouTube uh, that I made specifically about the neurophysiology and the neuroplasticity that can happen with morning rituals. But the easiest way to bring this up in this context is make sure that uh, if not every day, as many days of the week as you can commit to, you wake up like you mean it. And you wake up with the intention to create momentum, to have uh, a clear um, goal or uh, kind of something in the sights of, of your day where your whole day is going to be about creating uh, the right state, the right narrative, and the right uh, mindset to uh, create that condition that you're, you're looking for. What's really important 
in essence, with the whole morning ritual neuroplasticity thing is your body is a kind of conservation machine. The ability for the human metabolism on every possible level to downregulate, to conserve energy, to conserve nutrients, to conserve uh, minerals and neurotransmitters and all kinds of other activity is a pretty fundamental truth to be aware of. And if you think about uh, how most people get up, you know, we wake up, we go to the bathroom, we do whatever we do there. Uh, we go to the kitchen, do whatever we're going to do there. We do whatever else we're going to do. And then, you know, in the most kind of blase version of the story, we get into our car, drive down the same route, go to the same parking place, go to the same office, sit in the same chair. And as the expression goes, rinse and repeat. And if we bring that context of being a conservation machine, if your morning, your routine, uh, the meaning, the challenges, the level of adaptation and surprise and uh, dexterity you may need to get through that uh, is going to become less and less and less as it becomes more and more and more the same day over and over again. And our brains, being good at conservation, actually turn off a whole bunch of inner networks uh, because in a way, you're hibernating. Your life is on automatic. There's no reason to keep all of the learning machinery active if you're basically doing exactly the same thing every day. And that's a fundamentally important thing because whatever you're doing during the day, if you're at work trying to create something or help people out or you know, do what you do, or you're a student studying to learn. If you're doing everything exactly the same every day, you're limiting your ability to learn, to remember, to associate, to grasp subtle things, and have a kind of wide space of attention and alertness. So when you wake up like you mean it, you're going to do things differently. If that means uh, meditation, uh, breath work, yoga, qigong, push-ups, um, going for a walk, going for a hike, going for a run, uh, learning to juggle. And although that's kind of a funny thing to imagine, that would be, in a way, the black belt thing to do. Because if you don't know how to juggle, and the first thing you do every day is try and get your brain to do something that complex and that uh, involved, uh, I would imagine, one, you'd learn to juggle faster than you would uh, at 7 p.m. after repeating the same day over and over and over again. Um, but more importantly, your mind would be that much more alert to your life. And I think in this moment, I'm going to start waking up and juggling just to see what happens. Because um, I've never learned to juggle. So why not? But that, that, I hope, gives you some inspiration and some fun imagery for why waking up like you mean it uh, has more to do, especially in modern life, than almost anything else. Because I think if you've been listening to this podcast or other podcasts, you know what good food is all about and uh, what fitness is and how essential it is to being healthy. Uh, and maybe you have heard about the morning ritual thing already. But uh, keep in mind, it's what you put into action and how much intention you put into that action that's going to create your result. So have fun waking up and maybe I'll see you at a juggling festival someday. Uh, when it comes to the food of fall, I just think of feasts, you know, not just because there's a lot to eat, but because there's a lot of different choices. And um, one of the cooler things to be aware of, I think, when it comes to uh, eating healthy uh, is to eat nose to tail. 
So more livers, more tongues, more tripe, uh, maybe some kidneys, uh, some oxtails, uh, obviously any kind of joints or feet that you would boil up to get all that collagen uh, out of there because that's really where the, the most of the nutrients are coming from. And quick aside, because there's so much uh, concern with the environment, if we were to use the whole animal and transition away from industrial farming to homesteader farming, uh, people would still have to cut down their meat consumption quite a bit, but we would have a more optimal food supply and we would have much healthier diets because we would be getting all of the nutrient-dense parts of those animals that we throw away because, you know, modern society seems to like the muscles more than the rest of the animal. So nose to tail in every way, from bone broth to making your own gummy bears to using uh, gelatin in making gravies and sauces and uh, anything you want, uh, lots of lots of options from desserts to uh, even making your own medicine. So uh, nose to tail, really good idea. Um, when it comes to vegetables, the thing that I've been playing with, and I think there's some uh, credible science behind it, is to focus on uh, eating a really nutrient-dense, uh, very inclusive diet, but also as the season of harvest, you know, goes through its process, focus on eating whatever is in season um, for a week. So let's say uh, squash comes into uh, season and it's ripe and it's ready to go, eat all the food that's that color that you can for that week. And then maybe something that's a darker color becomes ripe the next week. And maybe a berry comes into season the next week or the month before uh, or whenever. And I'm not suggesting that you just eat one vegetable uh, all, you know, every day, three times a day, all week. I'm just suggesting that you focus on uh, a weekly color as something that's consistently there. Because each of the colored foods that we eat... Uh, one thing that we can recognize from the color is that it's higher in certain nutrients, uh, especially the really cool, subtle phytonutrients uh, uh, in plants. So when I think of the cellular pathways, your liver pathways, uh, receptor systems, you know, mineral needs, and all kinds of other things that are basically on the microscopic level managing the traffic of your health or the chi of your health, the most benefit that those pathways might be able to get from our diet, and this is just how I'm thinking about it this year, maybe I'll change my mind, but I think the cellular pathways especially would appreciate having, say, uh, a bright yellow carotenoid availability for many days in a row to use that uh, adaptive resource, that, that specific uh, biochemical influence to actually build some momentum and get a lot of things done. And if it's something the body can store, then the body will store it. And then it's not that you're gonna stop eating that for the rest of the year, but now you might be eating less of that and more of something else. And uh, maybe actually next year, I'll have a more step-by-step uh, -step, uh, plan for people if you really wanna have some fun uh, really mobilizing uh, those nutrient pathways uh, within your physiology. And that might get to the level of being neurotic around being a seasonal eater, but at the same time, it would be a really fun experiment to uh, figure out and commit to eating uh, uh, all of your plant foods in fall uh, in, in a relative abundance uh, as they come uh, to being ripe uh, in the natural food supply. 
because that would be a fun, natural kind of ancestral medicine hack thing to do. And I'm pretty confident it would help a lot of people, especially anyone who's been really depleted because it would take a while for your body, again, with maximum availability to not only get the job done, but to replenish any kind of stores if you can make them. So the last thing I'll bring up, because I've been speaking about Chinese medicine uh, a lot in this podcast, is one of the challenges in uh, putting the ancestral diet understanding together with a Chinese medicine understanding has to do with the amount of raw vegetables that we eat. Now, if you talk to most people who are focusing on plant-centered or very low-carb, uh, relative keto, paleo, AIP, autoimmune protocol diets, the focus usually is on a lot of protein and a lot of vegetables and uh, a lot of salads and things like that. So people who are focusing to the best of their ability on their health, uh, from a Chinese medicine point of view, might be eating a diet that's somewhat cooling or challenging or... Uh, demanding a lot more effort from your digestive system to get the nutrients you need. And in some cases that can be true, and in some cases that can perhaps cause uh, a situation where a person won't stress their digestive adaptability uh, as much as they could to help heal it. So I'll just take that apart quickly. So when I talk to my patients about raw food, the first thing is I just tell them, well, look at your poop. Every morning or whenever you go, keep an eye on whether or not you see any undigested food. Uh, from a Chinese medicine point of view, that's just a very common sense thing to do. And if you do see undigested food, then you might want to make sure you're cooking that particular food more or longer uh, or mixing it, mixing it in with other things to make it more digestible. And uh, also just to avoid eating raw foods uh, in any abundance for a while while you're focusing on strengthening your digestive system. Uh, that could be from a really enriching diet to some Chinese herbs uh, or just kind of kitchen herbs and things like that, uh, or uh, possibly even using nutritional supplements like enzymes and hydrochloric acid, etc. So if we can all decide to kind of make the commitment to keep uh, our eye on our poop and uh, we're eating more plant-centered, uh, if you choose to increase the amount of raw food you eat, you'll find out if it's not being digested just because you're checking out your poop every day. And if it is, then you just need to reduce the amount of raw vegetables you're having, uh, put more fat or dressings on them uh, as you eat them, uh, and begin that process of healing your digestive system. But at some point, you're going to want to go back and eat a bunch of, say, you know, salads for a few days in a row and see, again, if it's coming out uh, undigested the other end. Because what we're looking for here is optimal health. And optimal health means you have to kind of push against some boundaries uh, or else you end up doing that hibernation thing where you just keep limiting the challenges to your, your mind, your digestive system, your morning rituals. Uh, and things can get very uh, sluggish. And uh, we end up experiencing what you might call the, the opposite of adaptability. So again, raw vegetables, I think, are a really good idea, but you do not want to be eating more than your digestive system can handle. And all of us, uh, unless we're in the best uh, shape of our lives, could use uh, maybe a little bit of a tune-up with respect to our digestive health. So again, that's just a good way to check. 
Now, there are some foods that people eat raw that I don't recommend eating raw no matter what. And that would be kale, collards, chard, and uh, spinach. That's a very large leaf, like big adult plant. Uh, all of those plants, um, they can survive a frost uh, in the sense of how long we can leave them in the ground if we're farming. Uh, and that is only possible because they're high in something called oxalic acid. So all of those plants need to be blanched for about a minute in boiling water, and then you can use them for whatever you're going to use them for. And then that water should be poured into your composter, you know, uh, poured down the drain or something, because now that uh, water is full of that oxalic acid. So uh, when it comes to some vegetables, you just don't want to eat them raw because they're not only hard to digest, they can actually cause a kind of chemical irritant uh, to your body. Another good rule, if we're thinking of these as rules, is the longer it takes for a plant to grow, the longer you should probably cook it. So if you're looking at a vegetable that you typically don't eat raw, um, then say like a zucchini, you can eat raw or you can eat cooked, but you don't really want to cook zucchini for very long because it's going to get really mushy. Um, you know, carrots are something that take a few months to grow. So... Uh, you can eat carrots raw, but that's a fairly challenging thing for most people to digest would be a, um, a lot of raw carrots. So it's actually, you're going to get more nutrients out of a carrot in the long term if you eat most of them cooked, especially with some fat. So that's a, an easy way, I think, to just look at uh, what you're thinking of making for a meal and how long you should or should not uh, cook your vegetables for. Uh first thing is if you need need some raw vegetables then you should eat them and if you can't right now then you should focus on fixing yourself up all the other plants should be cooked as long as they need to to remove anything harmful like oxalic acid uh, or cooked uh, in a relatively long enough time based on how long they take to grow and that gives you, I think, a general overview of kind of what we call yang sheng fa, or how to nourish the, the basics of your life uh, from a Chinese medicine point of view with uh, fall coming on. I hope you don't get the flu. Uh, do your best to take care of all that. For the people who have emailed me about the Qigong course, it starts um, October 21st, although you can still sign up until... I think the second week of November, uh, and that's either for the three months of somatic Qigong or the one-year Qigong uh, kind of teacher training uh, intensive uh, that some people ask for. So that'll be uh, available for a few more weeks, and you can find that on the website somaticmindfulness.org. If you're looking for my clinical website, it's integrativehealthdetective.com. And the next podcast is going to be called Don't Be a Koala. And it's all about complex movement and neurological health. Uh, it's been something I've been uh, researching a lot and writing about. And I've been meaning to do the podcast on the four branches of breathwork, but I keep having these other things kind of show up and demand my attention. So uh, it just made more sense to share them with you while they're up and uh, ready to go. And uh, I'll do the same with the breathwork one in hopefully two to three weeks. And then we're going to learn about seasonal affective disorder because that's actually really kind of interesting 
uh, when you get into what's happening with the brain and what that can tell us about modern health for all the rest of us too. So enjoy your fall. Uh, if you've already had Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, that's for people in Canada. If you're still coming up on Thanksgiving, enjoy your feast and keep the bones so you can make some broth. You have been listening to Fusion Health Radio. Please add your comments or post a question at Facebook slash Fusion Health Radio.